0: You know the way. One, oh, it's a Eight goals in two games, Daka 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 in Moscow. It's rock and roll football, the city way, all this and much more. Sponsored by FootballKitMarket.com. It's For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me is Rob Hayes. Although, Rob, are we actually nearer to each other now than we would be on a normal basis? Uh, I'm not sure.
1: I'll have to get the old uh, road atlas out in a bit and measure it, because you are definitely on holiday, Pete, in one of the Yorkshires. But st- I'm not convinced it's
0: any closer than Shepshed is to Sheffield. No, in one of the Yorkshires, yeah, as north as you can get, really. But you, So you're in Sheffield, so what you said it would be nearer.
1: Well, I mean, you have to come past my house, probably, or somewhere near it. But we are. I am very much South Yorkshire. Sheffield's about as south as Yorkshire gets. But you're in, you're in Whitby, home of fish and chips and nice-looking Abbey and
0: all that jazz. Are you having a nice time? Yes, just on the outskirts. A very nice time. I'm in a big house, loads of family, loads of people probably going to watch through the door in a second and nieces running in. The second. They've put a little traffic light system actually on the door. So when it's on red they they're not going to come in and it was on red when the phone rang when um big bad rob phones up as i said and um and so when the phone rang everyone jumped up and down and quickly left the room and all that sort of thing so yeah all very good and um but the best thing is managed to see the game yesterday obviously a 330 kickoff, so many people would have been at work which would have been a bit awkward but um but managed to see the game, we managed to sneak off me and my dad to watch it at a local pub. I phoned up actually, I phoned up beforehand and says, look, seen a sign outside saying you've got live football, but are you showing the game this afternoon? And they were like, yeah, yeah, fine. Walked in. And someone else had actually phoned up again and said it. So because half term works, as many people in last year know, slightly earlier, well, it's a week earlier, isn't it, than the rest of the country. So I'd imagine everyone on holiday here is probably from God's County. And then... So the people who wanted to watch football were obviously Leicester fans. Managed to watch it and managed to saw, uh, see, see Dakar score the four goals. Happy days. I'm, I'm very envious
1: of the fact that you get these half-terms because I've still got one more day at school uh, as we're recording on Thursday evening and you're um, away enjoying yourself on holiday. I'm really sorry we have to interrupt your holiday to have such a downbeat podcast <laughs> where Leicester City, despite us pleading with them to shore up the defence have managed to ship five goals in two games. We wanted both the wingers on the pitch, Barnes and Lookman. Neither of them have had a look in. It's been all been an absolute nightmare, hasn't it? I can't believe we're going to have to do an hour of bad news to ruin your holiday.
0: Rock and roll football is the way forward. If you're not going to win 1-0, 2-0, Claudio style, it's going to be 4-3s, 4-2s galore. And why not? You know, if that's the way forward. That's the way forward. If the defenders are just going to be all over the place and be half off the pitch and when they do arrive back on the field it's going to be a mess and well whatever if we're going to score four goals then then that's the way forward we're going to win considerably more games scoring four goals every single time but it's it, it's awkward at the moment to try and try and balance the two out try and balance the the kind of level-headedness regarding Leicester and say right what's wrong with the side what's right with the side what can be changed to make it all right what can be improved this that and the other or do we just kind of sit back and go? We've just beaten Man United four two in a classic Leicester City Premier League game. We've just gone away to Moscow and won four three in a game which has burst onto the scene. Our new centre forward, whilst in Leicester shirt, that is obviously he had a a more than um, decent career beforehand, but this really is now kind of box office stuff. So, it's and. I think you just you just have to kind of roll with it. And that's the way I've been thinking in the build up to this podcast. Going like, well, it, it is just a case of rolling with the punches at the moment because we're still missing a number of players. We're still basically on ten talks regarding Evans's fitness. The defence is again still all over the place. The team is not at full whack whatsoever. There's players not in the side who normally would be first teamers. There's players not in the side who should be first teamers but because of the formation change aren't uh, looking at Luckman and then you've got now this new formation which has produced these two stunning games but two crucial results it, it, it's amazing really it's I, I still think we're playing in a formation and a style that Brendan Rodgers just doesn't want to play Yet it's worked, it's changed the fortunes around, confidence is starting to build. Players who have been out of form for a number of months are now slowly getting back into their stride. Other players are starting to hit gear. And also we've got players playing who maybe should have been playing in the first place. Um, it, it's, it, it's just a really strange mix at the moment. And I just find it quite exciting because... You, you're looking at the league. You're not out of it in any way, shape, or form at the moment because of the the, the the nature of the league at this time of year. You know, unless you've lost all of your games, uh, you're not going to be out of anything. But also, you're in all the cup competitions, and it is it is just quite just quite exciting, isn't it? If we look into this, Rob, what one player for you? Over the last couple of games has, has has done this, or has there been one player? I've got one player in my mind, and I think it's not gonna be the player um who you would say is the key to what's happened over the last what five days or so.
1: It's it's a difficult one to pinpoint. Um, first of all I would I would totally agree with you in the, t- in the sense that we've got to roll with this for those of you that didn't detect it there was a huge amount of sarcasm when I was talking about this being a negative podcast because of all the goals with shipped. really don't care after two games like that to proper entertainment fests I'm more than happy to roll with the positives and, and say look I thoroughly enjoyed both of them it's, it's great to be a Leicester fan at the minute um, because we've had a fairly uh, downbeat start to the season, haven't we, on the podcast. we we trying to stay level-headed, but there have been more areas for improvement than positives that we've had to talk about in the last few episodes. So it's nice to be sitting here on the back of two wins and eight goals. One player who's made the difference, well, I think if you're looking in terms of the team sheet, then it would be quite easy to say Leicester look better because Johnny Evans is in the team. But then if you look at the amount of goals conceded, you'd say, well, it clearly doesn't make a blind bit of difference because they've shipped five goals. Um, I I think, you know, I want to say somebody like Samare, who I've been very, very impressed with. I thought he was excellent against Manchester United. I, I went, I went to the United game, by the way. I went to an actual Leicester game as an actual fan and thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, But then that makes it sound like the player that he's replaced in the starting line at Wilfred and Didi wasn't doing what he should have been doing, which of course he was. But I think Samari offers something different. As you said before, a few other players look a little bit sharper than they have done in terms of Tielemans and Madison. You know what, I'm going to refuse to answer your question, Pete, and say I can't pinpoint a single player. I think it has just been a couple of things have clicked in at the same time and ultimately that has given the Leicester squad a greater sense of confidence in their own ability and therefore an extra spring in the step because I thought they were right at it against Manchester United. I didn't see the the Moscow game... Um, all I I've, all I've was was watching some live text scrolling through while I was at work, like a lot of people I would imagine. And then I've seen Dakar's goals. That's essentially the, the extent of my coverage of that game. But we were right at it all over the pitch for pretty much the entire game against Manchester United. So I'd have to praise the entire team. And I know that's a cop-out, but I'm very interested to see who you're going to attribute this, uh, this
0: back-to-back wins to. This is great then because I got to obviously see the game against um, against Moscow and not United and then obviously yourself the other way around. So it's worked out really well. I'm going to say that even though the entire side has improved and we'll just come on to, we'll just start with um, Bibikare Samare. He was excellent against Moscow. Dakar's got all the headlines, but arguably the man of the match probably would be Samare. He was... When you're playing against lesser opposition, which Moscow clearly are, um, you expect players to not just perform well, but to stand out, to be clearly quicker, faster, stronger, skillful than the opposition, but for it to really stand out. And that's what happened with uh, a couple of players in particular. One of them, James Madison, who had an excellent game overall, an excellent game. The shooting was slightly off, but overall, a really good game. And he he stood out. If you were watching that completely blind, you didn't know who was playing who, and you've never seen him before, you'd pick out, do you know what, the number 10 from the blue shirts. Excellent. Just clearly a very good player. And he managed to get away from a lot of their players on the turn. Exactly what we want Madison to be doing. Playing decent through balls, setting up goals, etc. Looked quality. And then... The other one, and the main one, would be Samare. They just could not get near him for 90 minutes as well. Just quality, absolute quality. Um, Samare was my man of the match brilliant. against
1: Manchester United. You know, I went I went with a couple of really? um, others and we, we had a pint in the pub afterwards um, and we all sort of said, who was your man of the match? And a couple of people said Castagne, who did really well getting up and down on the left-hand side. Um, but Samare, his physicality... Is, is phenomenal. He, he, a, a case in point, last minute or so, he had the ball on the halfway line, made a bit of a poor decision in trying to drop his shoulder and beat the man when he should really be knocking that into the channel and getting it as far at the pitch as possible to manage the game. But he lost it in midfield. A, a recovery run of 20, 30 yards, absolutely busting a gut. Last minute, having done that for the previous 90, he looks some specimen in there. And his ball carrying is as good as his ball recovery. I've been hugely impressed with Samare. And, Madison, the same was oh, yeah. what uh, what you just said you saw in, against Moscow. I saw against Manchester United playing in a kind of inside left position and just getting on the ball on the half turn in dangerous areas and looking to release that ball through. I, I, I think it sounds like to me the performances yesterday against Moscow mirrored those that I saw on Saturday against
0: United. Exactly. Samari, though, every aspect of his game was just head and shoulders above anything else on the field. And it lasted the whole 90 minutes. And that includes, because it's very easy to label a player like Samari. Oh, yeah, he's a a real strong lad, so people were were bouncing off him. Yes, they were, but it was the skill that he had carrying the ball forward and also the honesty. And it's something I I was saying to my dad during the game about Dakar. Uh, what a real honest player, hardworking, I'm delighted to be there, but just a proper honest footballer. And I think Samara you can label as well, and he's really taken his chance, given to him by an injury to Wilfred Ndidi, but that's the way that football goes. The player in, that I'm going to mention, though, is Kalechi Inasio, who was a player who I still, and until... In fact, I, you could almost possibly say, unless he scores 20 goals this season, even if the case it might be, uh, he, he won't be, but I still believe that Kelechi Nacho is definitely not a first-team player under Brendan Rodgers' best 11, according to him. Now, many people would have said that's going to be completely nonsense now, and it might well be, but that's still what I believe, if you look at the formation that he would like to play. And the inclusion of Cleccia and Acho was a no-brainer. He's been excellent for the two games. I, I, I understand, and in the highlights, the extended highlights that I saw against United, he looked absolutely excellent, and not in the, in not in the final third or in the penalty area, looking dangerous to score goals, but everything else, the the aspects of his game that you want from a player to be the link man, uh, the obvious interception for one of the goals. Is, is is proof in point and against moscow he was he got two assists but also he carried he looked like the the elder statesman with daka and he carried a lot of responsibility slightly awkward at times because we were so far dominant in terms of our style and just the performance of the players although the possible performance levels of the players, it didn't click in the first half. We were walking towards the edge of their box with ease and it just never clicked. And we got caught out and we'll talk about those goals in, in a minute. But And it, it looked slightly clumbersome, but it was just with him there in that position, um, it, di- it meant that Madison, who would normally have been in that role... It wasn't down to him solely. He could still affect the game from slightly deeper and on occasion be further forward, but it wasn't solely on Madison. And when that's the case, if he's not performing to any level, then Leicester lose an awful lot of their creativity. But with Ian Asho in the side and playing the way he is, it just adds so much. It gives that final player, whether it be Jamie Vardy or Pat Sandakha, the complete liability, uh, or it enables them, it gives them the ability to just stay on that last man and just try and time their runs. Something that Daka was doing fantastically, checking himself, He's pulling out wide to the left, Alavardi looking down the line, timing his runs fantastically. The VAR decisions in the game against Moscow, two or three of the goals went to VAR, and the timing of the runs were, was brilliant. Uh, the finishing was exceptional he's a very cool customer in front of goal we've seen glimpses of that against was it qpr in a pre-season and you see youtube clips galore but this guy can finish he can time a run he's fast and he can finish and that's a real deadly trio and it it, when you've got plenty of space it's easy when you've got people like uri tillemans and then Kalecianacho and James Madison to play the ball into but still to score those goals in Europe it was great but it's that link and I think the Nacho in the side has, has just enabled the likes of James Madison to be playing in the role that he is and I don't think it's any coincidence that Madison's improved form has coincided with the fact that Kelechi and Nacho is in the side as well. Normally, it would be one or the other, playing in that role behind Vardy in the middle of the three. Now, obviously, in this formation, we don't have the wingers. We don't have either Harvey Barnes or uh, Adama Luckman at this current time. But rock and roll football, we've just scored four goals in two consecutive games. They will get their chance and it's just the way it is. That That, that will come.
1: Can I just ask uh, you, Pete, about the shape against Moscow? Because uh, for me, in terms of looking at the personnel, it looked like um, it Well, it, it was just two changes, wasn't it? It was Daka for Vardy and, and Thomas for Castagne. Um, what I saw against Manchester United for most of it was the back three and then uh, Ricardo and Castagne were the wing-backs and then it was Tielemans and Samari in central midfield. And then it was, you could either call it a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-3 um, with Madison was playing in a kind of on the left of a front three, but not wide where you'd expect Barnes to play. He was in quite tight and playing just off of Vardy. And Ianacho was doing the same on the other side, and they were like a front three, but but it meant that Ianacho was doing half the the leg work rather than it just being Madison and leaving two up top. But then I looked at the BBC Sport graphic, which I know most of the time is absolute bobbins. I don't know why they have bothered doing it, but they, they were better off just listing the players in terms of squad number because they always get it wrong. But it had it lined up with Madison in a central position behind a front two of Vardy and Ian Acho. So from from what you saw when you were watching it, did you see it as a 3-4-1-2 as a or did you see it how I saw it against United,
0: which I'm certain was a 3-4-2-1? Yeah, in my head, I will always go back to three-five-two, and if you go back to the days of um, of the late nineties when you had the, the the three in midfield, the the rest of the side kind of picks itself and where they play. But the three in midfield, you had the anchor of Neil Lennon, you had Savage running everywhere, and then you've got the skillful player further forward, Muzzy. Is it? Well, if you think about the midfield three at the moment, you've got the anchor being Samara, you've got Yuri Tillemans who is the kind of floating playmaker, and then James Madison as the, the forward-thinking midfielder of those three. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but against uh, Moscow, compared to what you the, the game against United that, that you were describing, um, I think it was probably more just exaggerated the same, but more exaggerated. For example, um, James Madison, I thought, played very deep uh, against Moscow because... Leicester had so much of the ball and so much space between the middle of the park and then their penalty area he could basically play so far deep get the ball and dictate the game which he did and it was excellent so he was operating slightly more on the left like you said but a lot deeper which meant that Coletti and Asho, uh could play further forward but again like I said their back line then dropped back so there wasn't really the the the, the, the place for him to kind of get involved in the game in the first half because he just became almost like another centre forward in the second half when the game became a little bit more stretched and they were, were not counter-attacking more but um, because Moscow started to come forward and the game got slightly more um, slightly quicker essentially and became more of a um, more of a quicker game which meant there was more uh, more breaks and more counter-attacks that gave then the option of James Madison finding the likes of Kelechi and Nacho, who had space because of the, the quick nature of the game and the counterattacks. Obviously, he would then come deep. He would either then play the through ball for, for Dakar, etc. Or the ball would then not go to Kelechi and Nacho, who's made a really good run. It would go to Dakar. And it was just the choice that you had. So Tielemans and Madison, on many occasions, second half, they looked up and people in the in the pub were screaming, play it through to Kelechi and Nacho. Dakar's just pulled off on the left and a lovely time through ball, and Dak is in goal. So it wasn't just Kelechi Nacho's through balls and the assists, but it was his decoy runs that he could make. It, in again, in the first half, it all just got a bit stodgy. On occasion, there were almost too many cooks spoiling, you know, the broth. That it was that sort of thing. You know, they're all kind of on the edge of the area, and it all got rather tight and just a bit messy. Uh, even though Leicester just looked so dominant, and they're on top. So it's the same sort of formation, exactly the same sort of formation. The only difference was uh, Castagna. I understand he had a slight injury before the game. He was going to play. The only change was going to be Dakar for Vardy. Um, but Castagna is just slightly—it was his hamstring, I think—a slight tweak. So Thomas came in and, and was fine. But uh, but the rest of the side again, not a problem at all. Regarding the the the, the minus points, um. It, it again the defense um on occasion you've got uh Charles Arceau and just looking a, a real mess at times hurried um unsteady unsure and you' think well why you, you're a strong powerful center half against fairly diminutive and slightly weak forwards here you should be dominating and coast in this game. Just do the things just do things sensibly. And no you don't need no heroics, no heroes today. And it didn't quite work. And he got caught out for the second goal. The ball was played to him at some pace. I think it was Thomas who played the ball to him pretty hurriedly, and it came to him at pace. And he got caught out on the ball and then he ended up scoring the goal. Um and then with the first goal, again it was just <laughs> Just slightly just slack and, and, and sloppy play. And it was it was disappointing, really, because at the end of the day, they had, what, two shots really on goal. Schmeichel made one or two saves, but the two shots going in, the first one was a a, a deflection, a wicked deflection, a strange goal. And you're going towards time thinking, hang on, how are Leicester losing this game with miles on top? Uh, shooting boots aren't quite on, but it, it, was, it had echoes of the Warsaw game written all over it. And then they scored the second, right, in danger. So for, them, for Leicester to respond straight away with a goal was, was excellent. And that was a, a massively important goal. I mean, in a few weeks' time, hopefully on the back of a couple of victories in the Europa League at home, we could look back on that Patson Daka goal just before half-time as that was the time that the Europa League campaign completely went 360. Um, or 180, or whatever the analogy is. So, and then second half it was, it was all Leicester but still towards the end slightly unsteady i know they made a few replacements but you're not bringing on rubbish and you're not bringing on inexperienced players bertrand and vestergaard they and we're not talking a, a few games now you know we're talking it it's been it's been a number of games and i'm completely not writing them off in any way shape or form but they need to they need to start standing up they need to realise they're at Leicester City. This is not Southampton. This is not a club who are who are not coasting, but who are very happy to be where they are. This is a club moving forward. You've been brought in to do a job. And it might be that they're not up to it. It might be that they just don't have the quality that other players have. They have their own qualities, which we've highlighted on many occasions when they signed and when they, they made their debuts, etc. But it could just be that they're not good enough. Now, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they, they will step up and be fine. And it may be slightly adjustments. It could be something behind the scenes. Who knows? But they need to They need to step up because you've got someone like Daniel R. Martin, right? Who, by all accounts, excellent against Manchester United, you know, no problems at all. And against Moscow in a slightly ropey back line. Evans obviously played well and, and, and that. But... But Armati, he he was fine. He was absolutely fine. A couple of good tackles. But again, good, honest footballer. And at the moment, he's playing really well. And there's no chance for Vestergaard to be taken over from Daniel Armati at all. Not a problem with him being at the right side of a back three. So they just need to slightly snap out of it. Because Dakar will take all their headlines. And it will be a game remembered for Dakar. And it was... A really exciting watch. And just a a, a very interesting game to watch. And again, rock and roll football. But you can't just get rid of the fact that they scored three goals. And the three goals were, okay, one was a massive deflection. But they, they shouldn't have got anywhere near putting Leicester under pressure for the last five minutes to try and get a draw. They should have been out of sight. So... There's still a lot to do. And as much as maybe even the Samari thing, as much as he's been playing well, maybe we are lacking that Wilfred and Didi, that kind of rock at the, at the base of midfield. But as we said at the top of the show, if that means we're slightly more open at the back, but we're scoring plenty up top, so be it. Well, it's fantastic to have
1: these options really, isn't it? Because yeah, Vestergaard and, and Bertrand haven't hit the heights that we wanted them to in a Leicester shirt so far. I was excited to see Bertrand in a Leicester shirt because of how well I thought he played during pre-season. Obviously, pre-season is uh, is there to get minutes in the legs and some match practice and doesn't necessarily translate directly to what you see on the pitch in competitive matches. But I thought he looked quality with the ball. He took a lot of set pieces during pre-season. He looked to have a a good left foot. You'd expect him to be a good, solid defender because he's played as an out-and-out left-back for his entire career, virtually, apart from when he first came through at Chelsea when he was operating maybe a bit further forward. Um, Vestergaard, look, if you're being kept out of the team by Daniel Amati, who a lot of people probably a few years ago would have even forgotten that he was still contracted to Leicester, then you've got to have a look at yourself. If you've been paid £15 million for and you have played X amount of games in the Premier League... You've got to be looking and, and thinking, right, if, if Amati's getting... If I'm completely fully fit, there's Johnny Evans who's not fully fit. There's Daniel Amarty who is very much a squad player, utility man at Leicester City. And I'm here sitting on the bench against Manchester United. I'm sitting on the bench against Spartak Moscow. They've not even trusted me to come in on the Wednesday night three or four days afterwards when Johnny Evans has just got through best part of 90 minutes and you know, if you had another centre back, you had Wesley Fofana knocking about, for example, then the, the, I don't think there's much chance that Evans starts against Moscow on the Wednesday night, regardless of how much uh, sort of steadiness he brings to the team. So if
0: you're Vestergaard, but, but also Rob, yeah. but but also Rob, the thing is with Vestergaard is that you'd imagine Johnny Evans will be playing against Brentford on Sunday, but Vestergaard surely for the next game against. Uh, Moscow next week or is it Warsaw next week? Um, Moscow next week, isn't it? Uh, uh, At the King Power, surely that's a game where you go, actually, Yannick Vestergaard should be at the centre of a back three for Leicester. And that's the game that you would put Evans on the bench. And you go, look, you you take your rest. That's the game where we're at home. Uh, We clearly are the better side. We've just seen that. So as much as he's not playing well and he needs to step up he He will be given the chances because he's part of this first team squad, so he he needs to because even though he's been on the bench for those games he should be playing next thursday, yeah and you can't allow him to sit on the bench
1: and and stagnate of course you can't and i and I completely agree with you he is him and Daniel Amati are a different kind of player where if you play in a back three, you would absolutely not want Yannick Vestergaard on either side of it. You'd want him slap bang in the middle, which is where Johnny Evans is loads better than him. So that's why he's he's sat on the bench for the last couple of games. Obviously, they'll um, they'll look at Evans, but it seems to me that he completed almost 90 minutes again. And, and the main reason for him coming off is is tiredness and cramp rather than anything injury-related. So, yeah, I can't see any reason why he doesn't start the weekend, but you, you're right then. to For him to have played three games in, in a week uh, or eight days or whatever, the Moscow game at home does represent a good opportunity to give him uh, a bit of a break, and it gives Vestergaard another opportunity to prove that he deserves to be in the team. Um, the, the rest of the kind of personnel is it's it's quite good to see although there are still a couple of players missing the fact that you've scored eight goals while your two out and out wingers barnes and lookman are sat on the bench uh not getting on the pitch is great ian acho making such a big difference vardy scoring crucial goals daka bagging four goals and becoming leicester's all-time leading goal scorer in europe which is a <laughs> interestingly poor record to have <laughs> shows how little time we've spent in Europe doesn't it but you know so you've got three strikers there vying for at the moment in this formation two positions uh in Brendan Rodgers favoured formation probably one position really and it, it's a really positive place to be and Didi expected back after the next international break He's one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League, so which naturally then makes him one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, in my humble Leicester City-tinted opinion. How, Of course, he's got to be considered to come back into the team as soon as he's ready, but how does he get into the team? Because Tielemans is scoring, assisting, Samari's covering every single blade of grass. Yes, it's only in the last two games, and we need to have another chat about this next week after Brentford and after Moscow and we'll see where we are after four games since the the last international break. But on the balance of it right now, when Ndidi comes back and probably gets a phased return to make sure he's OK, that's kind of it's important, isn't it, with, with hamstrings to, to make sure that they're not overdone. You've got a bench full of either experienced Premier League players or first-team quality players, whereas we've not really had that before. And for Rodgers to have to make the decision to not include Barnes and Lookman because they don't quite fit the formation is a brilliant position to be in because it's something, if you contrast it with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, who obviously is the manager of a a team that has a star-studded squad and is higher up in the league than us at the moment, clearly. But... He's not willing to leave certain players on the bench because they don't quite fit the style or the formation that they want to play in that game. Brendan Rodgers has made those tough decisions. He knows Lookman and Barnes offer a huge amount of threat, yet he's seen his side score eight goals without them. So I think it's a really positive position to be in because if, as you say, Pete, and I, I, and I do agree with you to an extent that this is not Rodgers' favoured formation he's willing to use it he's willing to leave players out who don't fit in it but it means that if you if you fancy playing a different style or a different formation against a, a, another team in the next fixture then you can quite easily go back to a 4 you can quite easily play something like 433 three. you can quite easily slip back into the 4231 and play the two attack minded wingers There's loads and loads of options now. It's not a rigid, these players must start in these positions every week and we'll just keep plugging away at it. He's responded, he's changed it, and yes, we've conceded a lot of goals, but who cares? It's had a positive impact, and that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see players that were playing to their ability, or at least on their way back to their maximum ability. And we wanted to see a team that was hungry to hunt down the, uh, the opposition, that was hungry to be ruthless enough to score four goals in a game. And in the last two games, we've seen it.
0: Exactly. I mean, there's formations and there's different styles of playing, but ultimately you still need players playing to their maximum level. That was clearly the case against Manchester United. The stats for that game regarding uh, players being closed down and essentially, you can bracket it under effort, was off the wall in favour of Leicester compared to the whole of the Premier League that weekend. And then you play against Moscow and you score four goals. One player scores four goals and there's performances, especially going forward, which were very pleasing on the eye. It's a, a slight change of attitude, really, amongst the players because they were off the boil. Unfortunate at times. Let's you know highlight Brighton away, obviously, but away from that there was a a, a a a lack of not desire but there was uh, effort let's just put it down as effort overall I think they weren't playing at 100% and I will put down that, that for being effort as well so they, they could have been read the riot act etc reminded who they are where they're playing who knows whether it's the change of training ground maybe all of a sudden they've gone look at us big time Charlie's now with this and just maybe forgotten the important aspects and the aspects which have got them so high up the league last couple of years and winning trophies, they still need to be given absolutely 100%, even possibly more than that, really, uh, to, to be the football club that we are. And hopefully that will will never leave them. That will be the case now for the rest of the season because we know that they've got obvious quality and even more quality now compared to last season with, with the arrival of, of new players. Daka... Um, the question went out straight away and, and after he scored the fourth I, I said quickly when was the last player Leicester to score four goals for Leicester I couldn't remember one not for me uh so I put it on on the Twitter straight away on the Twitter at FFS pod and someone replied a uh, uh, Friar question mark I thought well, maybe you know in that season what was it 30 goals or so but Maybe did he score four? I, I can't quite remember. But then I think back to the, you know, the eight, the nineties, and that not really. I can't remember that. And then, uh, and then it turns out it was all the way back in uh, in nineteen fifty eight. I mean, that's remarkable, really, for a football club the size of Leicester to not have a player score four goals in a competitive game since nineteen fifty eight, where Derek Hines scored uh, four goals against Aston Villa in November. Previously to that, Jimmy Walsh scored four goals, not, uh, what, a few months prior. But that's a remarkable stat that Dakar has obviously now taken over. It was a a nine-minute hat-trick, not the fastest. You have to go all the way back uh, to 1909. I've got down uh, Fred Shinton scored three and five, thanks to the old uh, fossils and foxes. Um, three and five minutes in 1909. Uh, probably, and and I was reading through, because I, I wrote these down from fossils and boxes, and then I'll just name tag uh, Rob Tanner from The Athletic. Um, I was just reading through his piece about Dakar and the four goals only minutes before we started recording. And he he got those two down as well, which <laughs> thankfully underlined what I had found out. But also he put, um and probably a few listeners would remember Ken Keyworth, uh, scoring a six-minute hat-trick in 63 against Manchester United. I think if you had seen that, uh, and you were around at that time, you would not forget that. That's the sort of thing you're just not going to forget. So that's probably the famous quick hat-trick. But um, it's it's an amazing feat. And it What do you think this does for Daka? We know we signed him and Bubakari Samare which one do we sign first I think we signed samare was it two days before the transfer opened transfer window opened and then Dakar on the day itself so we could not have signed them quicker and we said at the time this is good business because they've obviously gone ahead of the queue to get these two and they've spent decent money on both of them but samare we've we've spoke about playing really well you could actually categorize them both together but for Dakar, what does this do? Because he's not going to jump ahead of Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's arguably the informed Premier League striker at the moment, Mo Salah, obviously, but he's right up there in the scoring chart. So, Vardy's number nine. Dakar's going to be on the bench, and I'm sure he's absolutely fine with that. I, I, I just think it obviously gives then Rodgers the confidence to bring him on at any opportunity. Um, it also gives Coletti and the role in the side which he's currently playing because he doesn't have to be that next player to play as the nine because we've now got patsy Daka who's just gone and scored four goals. So it's it's great for Vardy because we know that he doesn't have to play every single game now we've got Daka. It's also great for and Acho because Daka can play in that nine role which obviously and Acho at Leicester hasn't excelled in. He... Is excelling in his current role, so it, it, I think it's just good all round, and it just it, it will give Rodgers the confidence to play him more. But, and I know players, as I know supporters will get you know massively excited, and so they should. There is still the possibility, and and and, and hopefully this is the case. Why not get ahead of ourselves? We could have on our hands here. Not just a player who we're thinking could take over from Vardy wearing the 9 of Leicester. We could have an absolutely phenomenal player. Think of those goals he scored. These aren't tappings. These are cool finishes of a guy who in front of goal is way beyond his years and his experience. But then again, you look back in his career and you go, well, hang on, he's scored loads of goals with his physical attributes, the pace he's got. And also, back to what I said before, he seems to be a very honest player. 100%, absolutely everything. We might just have an absolutely fantastic centre-forward taking over from the greatest of all time at the football club. I mean, that's got to be the medium-to-long-term plan,
1: hasn't it? And, And I like the way that you brought that back round to the honesty thing, at the end there, because I knew when uh, when I was coming in there that, that honestly, I was going to link back to that point. I think what you've got with Pats and Dakar is obviously somebody with bags of natural ability, both physical and technical, really cool and calm and collected in front of goal, very, very quick, but you can have all of those attributes there's got to be thousands, hundreds of thousands of footballers around the world that have got all of those attributes, but it's what is what you've got mentally that makes the difference, as far as I'm concerned. And he seems to be willing to do whatever he needs to do to help Leicester City Football Club. Obviously, he's contract he is contracted to Leicester City Football Club. He is a he is a Leicester player. And there is a certain amount of, I need to say this to the media, or, I need to big up the team, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't get the sense that it was anything forced after the Moscow game with with his interview um, when he was talking about the team. Obviously, he didn't want to talk about himself too much because he seems to me to be quite a humble bloke. He was talking about uh, Vardy as well and how much of a privilege it is to be learning from him. And there would be some players that would strut about after scoring four goals against Moscow and and being the first to do so since whenever Pete dusted off uh, fossils and foxes and would expect to start on uh, the weekend against Brentford. And I can sit here with a reasonable degree of certainty and say that he's not going to start at the weekend and he's really not going to kick up a fuss about it. Is he going to be bothered about it? I'd be worried if he wasn't a little bit kind of disappointed. But is he going to be expecting to start? No. So what you've got there is a player that understands his role at the football club right now. He's a player that can see the overall objective. The objective is not for Patson and to replace Jamie Vardy today. When the time comes, and we don't know when that time's going to come. There were certain times in, in the last uh, season or two where we thought, oh, Vardy injured, it's taking him a while to get back up to speed. Is this the beginning of the end? Start of this season says, absolutely not. I am here to stay, which is great news for Leicester. But Daka looks to me like the kind of player that is prepared to work his socks off on the training ground, clearly able to take his opportunities, because he's bagged four against Moscow when he started. But also, he can see the fact that he could become the player that you've just potentially uh, described there. He could become Leicester's next talismanic striker. He could become Leicester's next goal machine. And he seems to me to have everything about him to be able to do that. And if you link it quickly to Samari as well, he, again, he's got... A physical ability, which is obviously sets him apart from quite a few other players, he's got plenty of technical ability, but he also looks like somebody who is never going to let another a midfield runner go past him. He's never going to give up a lost cause. He's just looks like he's there and willing to put in the work, and he will have come knowing right. I've got Undidi and Telemans who I think some people are, would be surprised to see at Leicester City still at the end of uh, the next summer transfer window. Obviously, I'm touching every piece of wood and crossing every single digit that I've got to, to want them to stay at Leicester, but such is their the kind of esteem that they're held in, uh, seemingly, in, in European football at the moment. So Samari wouldn't have expected to come in and replace one of them straight away. He will have expected to take his opportunities when, with injury. He's done that in the last two games because if you said he was your man of the match against uh, Moscow and I said he was man of the match against Manchester United, then that's officially Samari's man of the match for two games in a row. That's <laughs> taking your chance if, if ever you've seen it. And But he will understand that when Ndidi comes back to full fitness, it's likely that he'll be spending some more time on the bench again. But... I think the thing that we've always had at Leicester is is the sense of the collective. And players that are there with an ego or that aren't willing to put a shift in, they get shunned either by the manager or by the players first. Look at someone like Cengiz Under. Plenty of technical ability. As soon as I looked at him, really, I couldn't see how he fit how he fitted into the team. He didn't look like... He, he looked quite surly in his body language and his facial expressions. Didn't look like somebody that was going to become part of Leicester City football club. Daka, smile on his face. Samare, absolute workforce and an engine in midfield. I think it's, it's huge hats off to the scouting and the work that's gone into recruiting those players because you could match their technical ability with quite a few other players in whatever league you like around Europe but mentally it looks to me and I'm trying not to get too carried away but it really does look to me like those two have got what it takes to be part of a team and want to be a part of a successful team and play their part in it. I, I, Dakar almost looked a bit embarrassed. Not not necessarily embarrassed, but just a bit like, oh, stop talking about me. Yes, I scored the four goals, but come on. It's about the team and that. Whereas some others would be grinning from ear to ear and just going, yeah, yeah, let me talk you through this one. Let me talk you through that one. They just look like good, honest blokes. And that is all that Leicester City fans have ever wanted to see in a blue shirt.
0: Players that want to be in a team working hard. Samari's got the look of him of... The player when Leicester do well, and on match of the day, right at the end of the, the summary, Alan Shearer, at talking about the side, he'll finish his piece and go, oh, by the way, Samari midfield, hell of a player him, hell of a player, and kind of tap his nose or tap the side of his head to go, he's, a, he's quality, and quietly quality, because of his position in midfield. He's going to be one of those where all of a sudden... You'll, on a, I know, Tuesday when there's no European football or a, or, or a, a Friday morning, you'll see a, a double-page spread soon, I think, in the national press. Who is this guy? This guy that most people in the Premier League as supporters have probably not heard of before. Daco obviously, will take the headlines now, so people who weren't aware of him before now will be. But there will be pieces on Samari if he carries on the way he is. And... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully that's the case because that means he's playing well and Leicester are going well. Uh, obviously a few injury um, issues, Castagna we mentioned was meant to be playing but a slight tweak uh, possibly of his hamstring, Uh Yuri probably the biggest one really, came off has to be a doubt for Sunday and that'll be a, a huge loss but if it means, if somehow he can play maybe Sunday and then have the game off midweek we'll see but uh, that's going to have to be a, a big question mark regarding the game against Brentford. But then on, a, on a, a brighter note, since the last time we were doing the podcast, and obviously we've had a bit of a gap because of, of work commitments and also being away and all that sort of thing. So uh, apologies if you were hope- if you're expecting a, a podcast maybe last week, but I'm sure you understand at this time, it's, it's still slightly difficult and that with all that's going on. Um, the, To see... Uh, Justin, James Justin, and also um, Wesley Fafana congratulating the players in the tunnel, because I love the tunnel cam. I love the tunnel cam, me, And I love to try and spot something that no one else has seen. And then when I scroll down the Twitter feed, everyone's seen it already. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I love the, the, the tunnel cam because... I can. I'll see something and I'll blow it all way out of proportions and say and 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 turn it into a big thing. Did you see the way so and so looked at so and so? He hates him and all this sort of thing. Uh, but they were waiting for the players when they came off the field at the end of the game against United, and there he is walking around. Where's Lutfarner? And the news is that he will be back in the new year after Christmas in January slash February. That's remarkable, but. And, and fantastic, the fact that we will hopefully have a fully fit Wesley Fofana playing at the back end of the Premier League season, or hopefully in cup competitions, but maybe not even the back end. Because if you're thinking, say, early March, for example, and by the way, the, the, the noise was late January. So if you're thinking, well, okay, let's go early March to be on the safe side, there's still a hell of a lot of football to play from early March all the way through to the end of the season, so to have Fafana back then could be, well, will be a, a fantastic boost. So hopefully, touch wood, everything carries on fine with his his uh, his injury and um, his uh, his well getting back to full fitness essentially, because at the moment it seems like it's going really well. And then you throw James Justin into the into the the setup as well. Two players who, by the way. I would say, arguably, would excel best in a three at the back. I think Fofana in a three is his best position currently, probably on the right of a three. But then you would have James Justin excelling as the attacking fullback or the attacking wingback. You'd say on either side could really be left or the right, and also having the ability to play in a back three as well, which we've seen James Justin do. And I think he played really well in that position so this current setup would benefit both of them or they could slot in straight away so great news there but at this current time the, the real one is is Yuri Tillemans hopefully it's nothing serious but if you're just looking to the immediate future it's going to be probably touch and go I'd imagine with what happens against Brentford, mainly because of the game midweek. I know we mentioned about Vestergaard coming in for Evans, but even though we know Leicester are the dominant side against Moscow and they will be overwhelming favourites to beat them at home, you would still, I'd say, even with as many changes as you'd probably make to a side, whoever would be listening to this podcast right now, if they write down their 1-11 to against Moscow next week at the King Power or against Warsaw in a few weeks' time at the King Power, then I think they still would have Yuri Tillemans in that side, even if they make five or six changes. I think he still plays. And he still plays until maybe you're hopefully two up at half-time, take him off, take him off straight away. Um, So that is the big question mark. So good news and bad news on the old injury front.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed that tunnel cam as well, and it's good to see those, those two. Justin would give us a good amount of flexibility because he can play both sides. He can play full back, he can play in a three. He looks to me to be athletic and forward thinking enough to be able to play as a wing back as well in the current in the current shape. So having him back it would be will be will be a huge plus. And for Farner, the the amount of time that he's shaved off of this recovery is is just phenomenal and it's testament to how hard he's working because by all accounts, he's devoting every second, every waking second to doing anything that he possibly can to to increase his recovery time, or well, decrease his recovery time, as it were. So very, very positive there. Yeah, Yuri Tillemans is absolutely integral to Leicester City Football Club, and that's that's that. I've seen on the BBC Sport gossip page today, they're harping on again about him turning down a contract extension and these all this club, that club and the other club are coming around sniffing. But look, we know we've got a world-class footballer there. And we know that our midfield loses an awful lot of talent, ability and balance when he doesn't play in it. So resting him last season, it, it wasn't really an option. He played a phenomenal um, amount of minutes and a phenomenal number of games last season. And yes, at times he looked like he'd maybe overdone it and that he'd uh, ran out of steam a bit. So if he is carrying some kind of minor injury, then he does need to be carefully managed. But at the same time, he adds so much to the team that there's a, an element of balancing the risk there, isn't there? Because, you know, you've got a player, yeah. you've got a player with ability like Jewsbury Hall. Um, you could bring Chowdhury into the midfield and say to Samari, look, you've got a licence to get a bit further forward and get on the ball a little bit more and you can pull the strings in there, fine. But there are few better all round midfielders right now in my opinion in the Premier League than than Uri Tielemans in terms of an actual proper central midfielder who can play as part of a two-man midfield, they don't make many like him.
0: Now the final part of the podcast, looking at the game against Brentford, I I don't perceive any massive changes for Leicester at all, apart from for injuries. I don't think there's any reason to change the formation. I don't think there's any reason to bring in players in different positions. I'd, I'd stick with with what we've got. Ricardo had an interesting game against uh, Moscow. First of all, I was actually really impressed with their left sided fullback, um, Ayrton. I thought he had a really good game. He's got one of them like uh, uh, lipstick kiss tattoos on his neck, but I thought he handled Ricardo really, really well, and um, yeah, just a, just a play, played very well. So. I, I, I will still obviously have Ricardo in the side. I think Thomas will obviously be on the left. I can't see any reason really to change the side unless there's any any problems. Vardy comes back in. Hopefully, hopefully, Yuri Tillingen's is fully fit. But if that's the case, I would just go again, go again with that side, and then you have because you've got the option then against you know the side midweek. to maybe make one or two two changes. I don't think there's any reason. I know they're going to come back from Moscow. You know, um uh after the game there so that you know you you need that day kind of rest and all that but because it was a wednesday they get the the benefit of that because it obviously they're playing on a sunday against the brentford side hugely impressed with brentford i don't know where you saw the game against chelsea rob but i don't know how uh brentford didn't get an equaliser or maybe a winner in that game mendy the chelsea keeper brilliant game absolutely fantastic but I've been hugely impressed with Brentford as a people at work, in the studio at work, who are um, Brentford fans, big time fans as well, home and away games and all sorts of stuff. It's um, and and, and so talking about them, they, they they could have been in the Premier League way before this season, the last couple of years, very unlucky. Score plenty of goals this year in the Premier League. It's not really been the scoring the goals that's been the highlight. It's been, it's been at the other end. They've been ultra consistent at the back very very solid and against Chelsea and I know I'm just taking this one game as uh, as an example but I think really the whole from what I've heard from people you could really look at that game against Chelsea for the whole season and go that's the way they've been playing very solid side set up extremely well they all know they all know their jobs it looks like a side for me that everyone knows their role And as long as they perform to a a very high standard, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat. When you then look at other sides who get promoted, it just looks all a bit of a mess. Watford, a complete mess apart from maybe Saar up front, so you're relying on one guy. Norwich, unfortunately for Norwich, they're just not good enough. And they've lost their main creative outlet in Buendia to, uh, to Villa. And the whole side has just kind of gone downhill from there. And it's become a bit ragged. But with bright uh, with uh, Brentford, they just look an extremely solid unit. So it's going to be a really, really difficult game. But a game I can see Leicester going and winning. As long as they keep it tight at the back. They keep Ivan Tony under wraps. Um, and hopefully a back three would suit against a side like Brentford. Because... They can play the ball forward to Tony, who hopefully will be looked after by Evans, and Armati at the back. And then elsewhere, Soyuncu can maybe deal with the forward players like Buendia, who, who comes forward from midfield alongside him, who's who's been a, a, a real a revelation. I think everyone expected Tony to play well in the Premier League and score goals, and he's a real threat. Um, but his strike partner has been... Uh, exceptional his stats alone he scored a few goals but his um, his personal stats in chances created and shots on target and general uh, impact on the game in 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 many ways in in uh, not only getting on the end of chances but also in creative creating chances and not giving the ball away very very high very high indeed so it's not just a one-man attack uh, and then again at the back excellent goalkeeper um, and again, a really solid unit. So it looks to me like a game which is going to be low scoring, which I think will suit Leicester. It's almost going to be two sides who are going to be almost playing chess against each other. Look, Who's going to go first? Are you going to come at us or are we going to come at you? Well, no, we're happy at home. It's nil-nil. It's fine. You come at us. No, 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 no. You're at home. So you come at us. And then we can break because we've got Vardy, etc. No, 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 we we are at home and and we don't want that to happen because we know you've got Vardy, so we're going to go slightly long to Tony. Well, that's fine because we've got Evans at the back. And I can see that being the case for a large part of the game. And it might come down to a moment of magic, it might come down to a mistake, but I think this has got a 1-0 Vardy written all over it. Or may, maybe Iacho, maybe Maybe to, to to round off a, a really good week for him. Maybe he is gonna get the headlines with um with the winner. But I've I've got one nil Leicester uh, as a fairly, fairly solid pick here. A one nil a late one nil win. Maybe, maybe it could be that man Dakar again. It'll be a very interesting watch. I am expecting a different
1: kind of watch to Moscow and United. I thought Brentford were absolutely phenomenal against Chelsea. I got no idea how they didn't score. Um I watched the the last sort of 20 25 minutes so obviously the best 20 25 minutes of the game. Uh and I'm sure everybody that's watched the highlights or seen it since would would agree that Brentford were fully deserving of at least a point out of that game. I think the way that they've approached the Premier League's been fantastic. I'm looking at if you're looking at every Premier League squad you know, I'd, I'd back myself to recognise enough of most of the players from most of the teams to the point where if you gave me the surnames, I'd probably be able to give you the first name and more than likely the country that they play for just because you've heard of them all. And even with Norwich and uh, and Watford, I reckon I could do that to an extent and that's probably because they played in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago and have kept most of the same very average footballers since then. But Brentford, I hardly know anybody... And that is testament to the team ethic that they've kind of developed there. They've got quite a small squad. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the rigours of the Premier League as you get into like busy Christmas fixture lists, etc. But I've been hugely impressed with the way that they've started the season. And I think this game against Brentford does represent a very, very big challenge. But what I will say is that it's one that, if you'd have asked us on the last podcast to preview, probably wouldn't have been able to say with any real sense of belief that Leicester could win the game, really. Whereas the fact that Brentford will be nice and tight, and it will be, I really like your analogy of a chess match there in terms of how it might pan itself out. But the fact that Leicester have found their way to goal eight times in the last two games, regardless of who the opponent was and the, and the scenarios, whatever. It just reminds the players that they know how to make and score goals. So it won't, in theory, be one of those games where they run out of ideas, where they get into the final third or they, they approach uh, the Brentford area and can't make something happen. They've proved that they can make plenty happen in the last two games, two different kinds of games, really, albeit the same outcome, Leicester scoring four goals and winning the game. But I think they will carry that belief with them. Whereas the only person that you would say for the most part of this season that has truly believed that they could make or, or make a goal or score a goal has been Jamie Vardy. Possibly Ian Acho, but I think he's still the kind of player that that needs everybody around him to be doing well as well. But now I think the Leicester players will believe in themselves and each other a little bit more, a little bit of an extra spring in the step, having scored eight goals in the last two games. And I think that's going to give Leicester the edge against Brentford, who will give it a proper good go, let's be perfectly honest. And it should be, even though Pete's predicting a a low-scoring game, it should still be a really entertaining one. But maybe from a, for a different reason. You're going one nil. I'll go. I'll go two one. Why not? I'm. I'm still not convinced Leicester are capable of cl- keeping a clean sheet
0: anytime soon. So two one for me. Two one. So two one, and uh, one nil. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. One of those uh, results is right. Well, when it comes down to predicting what could happen, maybe we're not the best, actually, to listen to because of where we are in the Fancy Football League, the official Premier League, for fuck's sake, Fancy Football League. This is going to hurt, but play that music, Rob. (laughs) So the top 10, in 10th place, down into 10th, with 514 points, it's Bruce Tolley, hanging on by a Fred. Down into 9th place, one point higher, 515, it's Old Cabot's Kai Hard for Graham Large Up into 8th, 519 points, Lord of the Ings, Fraser Hodgkins. Uh, up into 7th place, 520 points, FC Spaghettification by Humza Yazdani. Up into 6th place with 529 points, it's Daka Daka Hey, hey Jack Wright. Up into 5th, it's Enter team name Jeff Linton, 532 points. Top 4, up into 4th, it's Javiz uh, Muzamil with Karachi Breeze, 534 points. 3rd place, non-mover Team Dalek, Aman Gulati. 542 points, and then at the top, both on 544, but down into second place, it's Team Addy, uh, Adam Wise, 544, and Bean Boys, uh, Muranim Prakesh. Uh, so they're two at the top of the table, 544, both. I'm not too sure why one's higher than the other, but there we go, still obviously early days. So 544 is the leader Rob and if I scroll down I can see in 52nd place Rob Hayes with that Samare on 500 and uh, sorry 456 and 1 point below and two places below Doo Pete Selby on 455 Rob you're in front of me in the for Fox 8 podcast fantasy football league Get
1: in. I was really, really hoping we'd have time to squeeze this in at the end. And we have gone over our usual kind of ballpark figure of an hour, but I really, really, really don't care. My jacket potatoes might be burning in the oven right now, Pete, but I am officially ahead of you in the For Fox eight podcast fantasy Premier League. And my one question, because I do get to get on my high horse because I am above you in the league, is why on earth have you not got Mohamed Salah
0: in your fantasy team? You strange man. It's my gamble this season, and it's not working out. The big issue I had is that I had the, the big three up top. Well, not the big three up top. I didn't have Vardy, but I had Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Harry Kane. Harry Kane couldn't hit door, And then a last-minute kind of wobble, I changed Harry Kane last week for Timo Werner because they've got a good run of games. Werner then didn't score against Brentford. Harry Kane, who I had capped in previously, uh, he then bagged an and also an assist against Newcastle. So I missed out loads of points. Now, I'm looking at my team and I've got long-term injury Lukaku and long-term injury Timo Werner as forwards. So I've just had a complete disaster. Absolute nightmare. And the plan of maybe getting Salah in there, because he's just playing too well, has kind of gone up in smoke. So I'm going to have to stick with this. And yeah... It's 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 gone horribly wrong at Dakar doo doo Do Towers. It has, it has.
1: I'm not going to say much more because there's it's it's highly likely if we go on previous form over the last few years, it's it's highly likely that you'll finish way above me in the in the league table come the end of it. Um, yeah, it's bad, bad news that you've picked Lukaku and Werner and they're both out. But I, I just you know when you look at your team every week, I can't see at the moment any time that that you that you don't captain. Salah, because the second that you don't, you lose out on obviously half the amount of points that he would have scored if he was your captain. So to not have him in your team at all is... is uh, It was a gamble. And I, I guess that's the way that, that you play it, really. You've got to... If you're any good at this, which I'm clearly not, so I might be talking out on my backside, but you've got to make sure that you've got the players in there that, that are going to score you the big points. But then you the differential is the big one, isn't it? It's how do you get slightly more points than the other people who were scoring lots of points. And look, if Lukaku and Werner had, had created this magical strike partnership that had put five past Brentford and both of them were fit next week, then you'd be sitting here laughing down the phone at me and you'd be sitting pretty well inside the top 40 of our Fantasy Premier League. It's it's always a gamble. And I admire the fact that you're going to stick to your guns.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, that differential is exactly what how I played it I had Yotta because I, I again such low ownership so I put Yotta in there to go roll if he bags a trick or a double then that's going to be a huge swing towards me because everyone would have had Salah and also I had Greenwood in the side away from Fernandez at Man U because again and that one's got worked out really because Greenwood's been been playing well scoring goals as we've seen at the King Power and that's worked out. The theory that Werner and Lukaku were going to basically be up front against uh, weaker opposition over the next three or four game weeks, they got Norwich at home on Saturday. It just looked a complete no brainer. Obviously, it's backfired massively. I saw on, I <laughs> checked the score midweek yesterday against Malmo, and I saw that there were two up at half time, and both Lukaku and, and Timo Werner have been taken off. And I thought, well, that's just because they were 2 0 up. And I thought, well, take them both off. Wrap them in cotton wool for the weekend, and job done. And not that they both got carried off. I mean, oh my God, talk about bad luck. And also, at the time, I'd captain Lukaku and vice captain Werner as well. So my team just had the two captains as both red flags. Oh, it, it was quite funny, but ultimately, it's a huge disaster. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I've I, I've completely. I've taken a big hit this week because I needed to replace both of them. They're both going to be out. So I've taken a hit on the points, but hopefully I'll swing it round. And hopefully you'll get plenty of points if you've got Leicester players in your side because they're going to win this Saturday, this Sunday. That's the case. That's what we've predicted. What do you think? Let us know on For Fox 8 Podcast on Facebook. If you just type in Fox 8 Podcast, you can find us on there. Give us a like. And also then on Twitter as well For, for Fox 8 Podcast. Uh, at gmail.com is the email and at ffspod is how you can find us on twitter that's it rob i can't think of anything else to say regarding city apart from well done if you were part of the 25 that went to moscow there's some interesting stories that have come out of how people got there and uh, there's a few people have, have written um fairly long blog posts on social media etc well worth finding out just all about getting the visas and all that sort of rigmarole and that but yeah try and hunt them down and, and take a read because you know hats off but they've seen a hell of a game and they've seen a hell of a performance really from from one man in particular Dakar it's taken how many years since 58 for a player to score four goals for Leicester in a game and they've travelled all the way to Moscow with all the problems to get there And they've seen, hopefully, uh, a game that we will remember for one man in particular. But it will be the start of a glittering career. And hopefully he takes over from the GOATs and, who knows, could become the new (laughs) GOATs.